Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. It's Thursday at 7 o'clock. You know what time it is. Time's for Hawks Live. Every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm usually sitting here with Paul Moyer. Paul is in the desert somewhere playing golf or something. But I got my guy, Nasa Chobi. If you don't know who he is, he produces everything the Seahawks do on the radio pretty much. Um, during the week, we do two podcasts together. Nasa Chobi, what's good, man? What's going on, Bump? Man, it feels good to be on this side of the glass. This is weird, man. My guy's producing and co-hosting. He's multitasking right now. Something us dads do. That's what we do. But we got to talk about the Seahawks in this football game. The Seahawks beat the Texans 33-13 to last week. They were 7-for-13 on third downs. That's a win. Time of possession. They held the ball 26 minutes to 33. The Texans might not sound good, but that's a win right there. This defense held the Texans' offense to zero points in the second half. That's a win. But the biggest story come out of this whole thing was Rashad Penny. This guy had a day. He rushed for 137 yards on 16 carries and two touchdowns. The Hawks get a win, back-to-back wins. First time this season. First time since week 17, 16 and 17 in the 2020 season. NASA's offense looks like they're turning a corner. I love it what you saw of that. I mean, honestly, seeing Rashad Penny do what he did on Sunday, I've seen him since he was drafted in 2018. He's had to deal with so many injuries and so many unfortunate things for a guy at that position. To see him go out there, like you said, 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns, career highs in all three categories, and just everything he's been through, it felt so good to see that guy shine, man. And he had that confidence, too. Like, when he was – we saw that first carry, boom, 8 to 10 yards. Then again, boom. And then on the touchdown, big boy stiff arm throws the guy to the ground. So Rashad Penny is balling out. And I feel good for him because he's just taking so much heat in this market. And the Seahawks drafted him for a reason. We've always seen how good this guy can be at football when he's healthy. Back-to-back games, he's been healthy. So he looks like he's going to be the Seahawks starting running back going forward. So you love to see it, Bump. You're going to see 2-0 out there in the backfield, and he deserves it, man. I think this is his audition. It's like, okay, look, this is my contract year. I know decisions need to be made. I haven't been what you expected me to be over the years, but now's his time to show the ball club. Like, look, I can get it done. I can stay healthy. And I think he's going to have a chance against these Rams to kind of show what he can do. Now, he has to back up this performance. We can't expect him to go 16 carries, 137 yards, and two touchdowns again. All right, that'd be nice. He had a long of 47. That would be nice. But you just want to see consistency in the run game. And I think it's going to start with him. What is a good backup performance? for Rashad Penny this weekend? Well, I think he's going to get the rock a lot. So for me, I'm thinking around 12 to 17 carries, around 60-plus yards, and probably a touchdown. And here's the thing about when Rashad Penny actually gets active and gets the football. He has four career games with 10-plus carries, right? And here are the four games. 12 carries, 108 yards, touchdown. 14 carries, 129 yards, a touchdown. 15 carries, 74 yards, a touchdown. Then 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. That was against Houston. That's 57 attempts, 448 yards, five touchdowns, 7.8 yards of carry bump. That's pretty dang good when he's getting the football and he's getting more carries. So for me, I'm not expecting. The Rams are good, bump. They're seventh in the NFL at stopping the run. They're giving up about 100 yards a game. So for me, nothing crazy. It's about being effective and picking and choosing your spots. And if the Seahawks can stay committed to the run and Rashad Penny is able to get those 10 to 15 carries around 60 to 70 yards and just be effective and help with that time of possession, I think that's a good spot for him. So what you're saying, he's like our uh, co-host compadre, Turbo. He's a rhythm guy. He needs right. at least 10 carries to get going. I understand that, and I think he's going to get that. Now let's shift over to 
the Los Angeles Rams. They got a lot of stuff going on over there. COVID has shown up in Los Angeles in the Rams facility. But let's focus on what they did on Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals. They came out and had a day. Didn't allow Kyler Murray to throw not one touchdown. Kyler Murray had over 400 yards, his best performance when it comes to yards as a quarterback, but no touchdowns. And then offensively, Matthew Stafford had a day. He showed why they spent all those first rounds and all this money on this dude and had long passes to Van Jefferson, long passes to Cooper Cup. I mean, this Rams offense looks, when everyone's healthy, looks dangerous, and this defense looks dangerous as well when everyone is healthy. Oh, my goodness. First of all, all you need to say is Aaron Donald. Yeah. That man is an absolute freak, and the game started with a sack, and it was a sack. And it was just so disrespectful, Bump. That first play takes the guard, throws him essentially into Kyle Murray. Kyle Murray goes down. Aaron Donald is unbelievably talented. His record numbers against the Seahawks are unreal. Then you got Greg Gaines, shout out to UW, who's balling. Leonard Floyd, who seems to have 100 sacks every time he plays the Seahawks. So they're talented defensively. Jalen Ramsey, when he's in there, you mentioned the COVID stuff. Jalen Ramsey is still on the COVID list. So they got ballers on that side of the ball. And the Seahawks are going to have to come with it because they always play Seahawks tough. And it didn't matter whether it's 2014, 2017. Now the Rams are good defensively and they showed it. And the Seahawks offensive line has got to come with it. Aaron Donald, 16 games against the Hawks, 16 tackles. Now we look at this total offense. The Rams have the seventh ranked total offense in the NFL. They have the 24th rushing attack, the third-ranked passing attack, and points per game. They score 28 points per game. That is tied for fourth. So we can expect this secondary to be tested. We all know about the woes the Hawks have had on defense against the pass. They are dead last. So if there's a day for them to step up against Odell Beckham, against Tyler Higby, Odell Beckham if he's available, right. against Tyler Higby if he's available, and Cooper Cup, it's got to be this week. Pass game is going to be crucial. You'd hope so. I mean, the thing about it, though, is while we're talking about this, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the Seahawks that also have some COVID issues right now. Tyler Lockett was yeah. put on the COVID reserve list as well as Alex Collins. We don't know what the status is going to be with those two heading into the weekend. Probably won't know until Saturday. That being said, though, offensively, if that's the case, DK Metcalf needs to be involved. Yeah. He's had two good games against the Rams in his last two opportunities, whether he's going against Jalen Ramsey, whoever's in the secondary, like you mentioned, the Rams have 25 people on the COVID reserve list right now, so it's not doing well. We'll see. We're going to take it up till Thursday. But offensively, again, Russell, DK needs to be involved. That connection needs to happen. I think we're going to see some of those one-on-one matchups, and I think they can take advantage of this Rams defense because even though last year they were number one in almost everything, yeah. right? So this year, while we know they got talent, they're not exactly where we'd expect them to be ranking-wise, but we know they got dudes over there. And DK, the last two times they got together with the Rams, DK has had a day, um, January 9, 2021, five receptions for 96 yards, two touchdowns. They lost in the playoffs of that game. Um, earlier this year, five receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns on five targets. So for some reason, DK gets up for this game, or the Hawks do a good job of game planning for him in this game. We're looking at that matchup if Ramsey's available versus DK. Um, if Lockett is available, this is the first game I think I've ever covered where I'm saying if is available. And we're not talking about injuries. We're talking about COVID and how this is affecting the NFL. And it's not just this team. It's across the league oh my right goodness. now. Yeah, the Rams have almost 25. The Browns are in the 20s, right? You have all these teams. And the Seahawks, this is the first time. Gerald Everett missed a game earlier this year. But with these two on the active list, the Seahawks, all last year, the height of the pandemic, had no positive tests, right? So the Seahawks have done such a great job, but this is a problem throughout the league, and they've introduced some new protocols, which will help guys get back in the games earlier. But, man, this week's going to be tough, especially because the Browns also got 20-plus, and they're playing on Saturday. So, man, 
pay attention to the waiver wire because Saturday, just pay attention because I'm hoping guys are out there and we have to wait and see. All right, so real quick, we know that Rashad Penny emerging has been great for this offense, but there's a guy who's under center who's been improving every week since he's been back. I'm talking about no other than Russell Wilson. He had he was 17 for 28, 260 yards and two touchdowns. Not a big game, but an efficient game for him. The Hawks need that to continue for them to keep balling out. Yeah, bump real quick. What do you think? What have you seen from him? Why is he getting better the last couple of games? Uh, he's getting better. He's more confident. His mechanics are on point. I think they're giving him more options underneath, and I think he is throwing the deep ball better. The claim to fame for Russell Wilson, he throws the best deep ball in the game, and we've seen that the last few weeks with Tyler Lockett, even DK Metcalf on a third down, on third and 14, 33 yards over the shoulder. Russell is getting back into his groove, and I think mentally he is in a good place. And this team's in a good place. And we're going to find out how good of a place they're in because we're going to talk to guard Gabe Jackson next on Hawks Live. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're here every Thursday, 7 to 9 o'clock. And now we get to talk to guard Gabe Jackson for your Seahawks. Gabe, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Hey, we're doing good. We appreciate you taking time out of your day now. You know, we always look up the bios or whatnot. We've spoken before, and you're from Mississippi. I got family from Mississippi. But you were in Oakland for about six, seven years. Did you ever catch on to, like, just the Bay music? You know, did you get into that, Mac Dre and all that, or you kind of just stuck to that, that Dirty South music? Uh, I, I did a little both, man. I, I, I learned to appreciate uh, the Bay Area music. So um, I listen more often than I, than I used to. I feel it. Now let's talk some football, man. Last week, Gabe Jackson went off, man. And uh, he praised the offensive line constantly throughout his post-game meetings. What is it like for you being a starter on that offensive line, seeing the number two, number three guy come in and just have a day, man? Uh, it's great. You know, it's, it's great for anybody, uh, you know, that's a part of our team to have great success. But also for a guy that, you know, that was injured early on and just not really catching his break, you know, just to see him succeed and, for him to finally have that breakthrough is, is very rewarding. Now, Gabe, talk to me a little bit now. You guys obviously love running the football. You dominated the football game against the Texans. How much pride as an offensive line do you take in the run game? And if it was up to you, would you run the ball every play? Uh, Probably so. Probably so. <laughs> I can't say I wouldn't, but uh, it, it's good to have balance as well, you know. Um, but as an offensive line, you always take pride in that, you know, run the ball and then physical. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Gabe, the Seahawks signed Adrian Peterson. And now for me growing up, you know, I watched a lot of Adrian Peterson football, and I'm sure you did the same as well. What was it like to block for him that one game against the 49ers, being a guy that you watched in high school? And how much of an impact did he have in that running back room as well as that offense? Uh, it, it was crazy, man. Um, honestly, you got a guy that's, you know, one day going to have a, um, one of those jackets and uh, is motivating and um, you know it's, it's 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 great. You know you got a guy like that that you know a hard runner. Uh, he got a lot of history behind him from the past, and he still can run it. You know uh, we was in walkthrough one day when he first got there, and he ran past, and I was like, dang, I I kind of felt the wind from <laughs> from him running through that gap like that. So uh, he still got some juice on. Hey Gabe, what's it like in the huddle after a big run? One of the things I miss most about playing 
It's just the interactions with your boys after you just dominate a defensive line or a secondary. You get back in the huddle, and you know you guys are feeling yourselves, man. When this offense is going, when the run game is going, what's the energy like in that huddle? Uh, it's crazy because when, when when that's going on, you know that everybody in that huddle, everybody in that game, you you feel it. It's like you almost in uh, control of the game. So when you when you're like that, you can you can do play action. You can throw the ball, and it, it doesn't matter. You know you know you're at full control because you're dominating. Now, Gabe, some of the young guys have got an opportunity to play. Jake Curhan got a start at right tackle. He might play a little bit more this week. So for a veteran guy like yourself and Dwayne Brown on that offensive line, what did you see from him? And what are kind of the tips that you help some of these younger guys when they get their first time in the game like that? Uh, for one, I mean, uh, I, I told Jake, you know, he first got there after a couple weeks. Um, he was in shorts, and I was like, okay, he, he like he might be good. Then put pads on. I'm like, okay, he might be good. Then I saw him in preseason. I'm like, okay, yeah, he a, he a baller. Uh, but from just me knowing him from this short period of time, he has great confidence in himself. You know, he he's a hard worker. Um, he listens. He listens to coaching. He listens in the coaching point that uh, a player might give him. But uh, for me, it was to him just like just be who you are. You here for a reason. It wasn't no mistake that you feel here to be a you know uh, a Seahawk and just take full advantage and have fun because you know this game is here, but it'll be here forever, but it won't be forever for us. So just take full advantage of it and have fun and just live life. Gabe, as an analyst, man, we dive into the numbers. Like we got six days to talk about this matchup and think about this matchup and kind of see where okay the Rams are good at this, the Hawks are good at that. Do you guys get into the numbers, or do you kind of just look at the film and say, all right, this is the situation. I got to beat my guy on this play. Um, I mean, it's not always numbers within the game, but um, you also got to know, you know, what you see on film. You know, sometimes the numbers can uh, be a little off based off of what time of the game it was or just a blowout or this and that, but um, you got you to watch them. You got to watch and see what they're good at. Um, no, we good at was was their liability and take advantage of it. Now, while we're talking about numbers, Gabe, let's talk about number three, Russell Wilson, who's obviously playing some really good football as of late. He had the finger injury, broke his finger. You guys were without him for a while. What kind of lift did he bring back to this offensive unit? And how have you guys been able to get into a rhythm while Russell Wilson under center? Um, he, uh, to me, um, he's, he's a great leader, uh, a great guy. Just to talk to, but um, he definitely his leadership, his presence felt. You know, he I don't know if it's intentional his end, but he's always constantly reminding, hands and feet, uh, do this and do this and do this. Like throughout the huddle, like he's always giving us something. And if he's not saying nothing, you can feel it through his play, through his eye contact, his his uh, just his confidence. You know, his aura. So um, it, it's always a boost. He got a guy that's Gabe, you guys are playing some good football right now. The offense is clicking. Run game is going. Tyler Lockett made some plays last week. This defense shut out the Texans in the second half. Needless to say, this is a confident football team right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, want to say that we haven't been confident in the past, but I feel like everything is falling into order. You know, something's going our way. Um and, I mean, defense, those guys are lights out. They're making plays. And we we, we played their uh, good couple minutes football last week. And the week before that, we was doing the same thing. So we just got to keep building off of it. 
and um, just keep chopping away. Now, Gabe, you talked about that. What What's really changed? You said you guys were playing some good football as of late, a little bit more confidence as of late. How did you guys keep going when things the season wasn't going your way, right? The Seahawks were 3-8 and eight at one point, and now you guys are finding yourself trying to get back in the playoff picture. How did you guys stick together as a unit to eventually get to this point where you're building confidence and have potential to go on a run here to end the year? One one day at a time and one play at a time. You can't get to the next play without taking care of the ones you at right there. So just living in that moment, just being right, and just keep chopping away. Sometimes it might not go right. It might not feel right, you know. Um, it's football, it's life, but just believe. And I feel like we all believe in each other. And, you know, who knows how far we can go. We just got to keep going and keep chucking it. All right, Gabe, I know you're from Mississippi. Spent some time in Oakland. Now you're in the Northwest. How are you dealing with this short days? It gets dark around 4.30, and now it's cold and wet all year. How are you dealing with all that? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm a homebody, so, like, I don't be out and about like that no way. So uh, it don't bother me. Uh, I look at it as a plus, you know, especially when it's time to take a nap while I go <laughs> sleep at night. It's, it's pitch black, so it, it, it's a bonus, and it helped me give it some recovery in. There we go. Sleep, recovery. You got to tell these youngsters, man, they be up all night on their phones. They got to get to sleep, get that recovery. Gabe, man, we appreciate you taking time out of your night. Let's have a good one this weekend. Uh, thank you all. All right, that was Gabe Jackson, guard for the Seattle Seahawks. When we return, we'll take a deeper look at the Rams. I'm here with Nassar Chobie right here on Hawks Live. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with NASA Chobie. It's time to take a deeper look into these Los Angeles Rams. There's one thing about these Rams, man. They started the season hot, man. They beat the Bears, the Colts, the Bucks. Then they lose to the Cardinals 37-20. Then they beat the Seahawks, the Giants, the Lions, the Texans. Lose three in a row, then bounce back. And they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. And on Monday Night Football, they beat the Arizona Cardinals. Now, that's just the surface. we got to get deeper into this football team and talk about some of these matchups we're looking forward to seeing. And, Chobie, the one matchup I'm looking to see, and it's not even one matchup, it's multiple matchups, is their receivers versus our secondary, led by Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's having one of the best seasons in NFL history with four games left to go. This guy has 113 receptions, 1,489 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He does about everything, but it's not just him. Van Jefferson has 41 receptions for six, 679 yards and six touchdowns. OBJ has 15 receptions for 204, three touchdowns, has one touchdown in each of the last three games. You got Odell, you got Cooper Cup, you got Van Jefferson. This is just the take-me-up top group we're looking at. Well, first of all, shout-out to Cooper Cup. Obviously, we know Eastern Washington from Yakima. Obviously, Washington, shout-out there. But he's having one of the best seasons in NFL history. He's not just having a good year. He's having one of the best seasons ever for a wide receiver. He leads the league in receptions. He leads the league in yards. He leads the league in touchdowns. Okay, Cup is the first player in NFL history to do that through the first three, 13 games of the year. And then also, he's had, if he reaches 90 receiving yards against Seattle on Sunday, he will become the first player ever to record at least 90 receiving yards in 10 consecutive games in the Super Bowl era. So, so the boy's doing it. So he's all right. He's all right. He's okay. He's on, <laughs> when you're on list with Jerry Rice Man. and Michael Irvin, Shannon Sharp, you're doing it. And the thing about him, Bump, you would know better than I would as a receiver. When you just watch him, he's a technician. 
He can legitimately do it all. He can beat you over the top, intermediate, short. He has great hands in the way. The connection he had with Matt Stafford so quickly, I mean, Cooper Cup is a boss. And for me, honestly, this weekend with the Seahawks, if he has under 90 yards, that is a huge win. That's Sign me up for that all day long. Yeah, he's going to get 11 to 12 targets. You hold him under 90, you're going to be good. Van Jefferson is a guy that's kind of been a surprise, man. Actually, a funny story, you probably know. His dad is the receiver coach yep. for the Arizona Cardinals. You saw him catch a touchdown. His dad's going nuts over there on the sideline, uh, just mad him. But, you know, Jefferson is a guy who can take you up top as well. And when you have multiple weapons, right, you got Cooper, you got Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham, that's got to be nice for Matt Stafford. He's never had this many weapons. He might have had one of the greatest weapons of all time in Megatron, Calvin. Right. But he's never had this many weapons to go to, and he's found his way out of that slump. It seems like he's, he's in a groove right now. The th- the, what tells me he's in that groove is that touchdown to Cooper Cup. He threw it. It's a corner of the end zone, the only place Cooper had come down with it. The, the DB for Arizona had outstanding, perfect coverage on the play. Somehow he threads the needle, gets it through there. He's playing at an all-time high confidence level. He's finally with a, a head coach. That's good. You know what I'm saying? He's, <laughs> no disrespect. Hold on, I should back up. Caldwell is a good coach. Yeah. Caldwell is a good coach. The coaches after him struggled yeah. when Stafford was there, but he's finally with Sean McVay. He's finally with an offense that can be explosive. So this receiving score scares me. And while we're talking about the receivers bump, this is one of the biggest keys to the game for me. It's explosive plays. Yeah, The Seahawks allowed 10 passes that went over 15 yards against the Rams. A 16-yard reception, a 17-yard reception, 17, 25, 68, 20, 20, 23, 24, 33. And this is what, this is what killed them last game. It was all these explosive plays, and that's the one thing the Seahawks can't have because if, if you have that many explosive plays, you're not going to keep them off the scoreboard. So that's the number one job of this defense is to eliminate the explosives, destroy them, and you have a chance. And half of those explosive plays came on the same play. We broke it down on our Hawk Talk uh, preview edition, and uh, they get in a three-by-one or just a trip set. It can be Trey. They do it out of multiple positions, just three receivers to the right or the left side. One guy hooks it up. Another guy runs a deep cross. Another guy runs like a post. And what they do is they put the flat defender in a bind. Are you going to jump on the hook in front of you or are you going to run with the deep cross? And for some reason, the Seahawks couldn't figure it out. Now, I think you told me that B-Wags was saying that they ran it at a different depth. So now we're in, what week are we in right now? We are in week 15. Week 15. All right, so now there's, there's so many opportunities to watch film. Do you expect them to play that route combination better than they have in the past. I absolutely do. And, and the thing about it, so we're, I'm going to get to some Bobby sound like you mentioned. I absolutely think they're going to play it better. So, but let's go back and listen to Bobby Wagner on how to stop those deep crossing routes. We have to play with some depth. I think that's the, the biggest thing. I think, um, you know, w- with some of their routes that they were running um, up until that point on film, um, they weren't running it as deep as they, they ran it in our game. And so we have to be conscious of those particular routes and, um, you know, make sure we play a little bit deeper uh, this game, but also be ready to come down and rally to um, the pass because, um, you know, do a good job of, of taking what you give them. If you jump the short one, they'll throw it over your head. If you stay back, they'll take the, the five to seven yard gain. And so it's one of those games where you're just going to have to be patient and you're going to have to just keep making tackle, keep making tackles, then capitalize when they make a mistake. I think, first of all, I think you just got to tip your cap to the Rams. Because they just they scheme the Seahawks a little bit, right? Yep. They are running those same routes, that exact same concept out of the trips at a shorter depth. 
And with the Seahawks look to film, they're doing it all week. And then all of a sudden, the Rams, boom. Now that dig that was 7 or 8, it's 15, 17, 20 yards down. So I think the Seahawks were in the film room. Obviously, Ken Norton and the rest of that defensive staff, I think they have to adjust. Because the Rams went to this about seven times that first game. And a couple times it was on back-to-back plays. And they caught the Seahawks in a couple blitzes one time. Bobby Wagner was blitzing or Jordan Brooks was blitzing. So the remaining linebacker turned and ran with that over route. So I think they're going to they're gonna scheme it up differently. I, I'd look to see Ugo Amadi and some of the backers making plays. And I'm saying this hoping, Bump, because if they don't, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> yeah, it could be a long day, man. The, the Rams are in a groove right now. And as Paul Moyer said, you'd rather play a team that's coming off a loss than a win. But you play who you got to play. Now, I look at this Rams offense, and I say to myself, Hawks could do that. The Hawks can do that. That's what we were expecting, honestly, getting Shane Waldron over here, seeing some of the same things. But I think that the Hawks are starting to do some things that way. I think that Shane didn't have his offensive line intact. He loses D. Eskers, the guy that he was counting on to help out a lot. I mean, lose Everett for a game. Uh, we're finally the, – the run game hasn't been gone. Run game is huge in what they like to do. You watch Matthew, Matthew Stafford. When he does his play fake, he reminds me of Peyton Manning, man. He shows that football on the stretch. He tucks it. He boots around. I think those were the type of things that we were hoping to see that we're starting to see now. So I can't wait to watch the film when this game is all said and done. Hopefully the Hawks get a win. And I can compare, like, the kind of the styles. I ha- have the Hawks – excuse me, the Rams changed so much since Shane has left. Well, and the thing about Shane, right, he's had a really tough job. You mentioned all those factors that were against him. Here's the biggest factor to me with Shane and having success on offense. The Seahawks have only ran 60 plays in a game three times this entire season. You want to know what it looks like on, for the defensive side? The Seahawks have allowed over 60 plays defensively. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of the games. Mm. So, obviously, it's a play discrepancy, right? The defense is on the field the whole game. So, it's, as an offensive coordinator, you call plays. You've done this. Yep. It's really hard to get into a rhythm and do things when you're only running 55 plays in a game or when you're 2 of 12 on third down. So, I think what we're seeing is they're finally elongating some drives. They're staying on the football field. And like you said, we're starting to see little you know, sprinkles of what this Shane Waldron offense could be. And once again, we're going to see a team for the second week in a row that takes the football out the air. The Rams have 14 interceptions to the Hawks, seven. It was pretty much the same last week against the Houston Texans, seven to 14. They got some guys in the secondary. They got Tyler Rapp, UW, big ups, Jalen Ramsey if he's available. Um, Because of the pressure that they can cause on that defensive line with Aaron Donald, with Leonard Floyd, they cause quarterbacks to make poor decisions. That's one thing Russ hasn't been doing. He hasn't been making poor decisions. Russ just has to do what he's been doing the last few weeks. No question about it. He's been efficient. And what the best part about last week is that deep ball came back. We yeah. mentioned it. There's not a living human walking this planet Earth that has a better deep ball than Russell Wilson. That's fact. That is <laughs> hey, I won't I won't hear anything else. Here. Fact, right? And we got to see that again. Yep. We got to see connecting with Tyler Lockett and other guys on the football field. And the two weeks before that, we didn't really see that touch, right? Because his finger wasn't all the way healthy and he was getting back. He hadn't played football for a month. And then we're like, dang, this is how other people feel all year <laughs> long. And then back to Sunday, the last two weeks, we see the rust we've always known and loved. So, Bump, I mean, I, I can't wait. I feel like he's getting to that point and he's going to take us on a run and people are going to feel a certain type of way about the things they've been saying about this team all year long. Feels like the Hawks are getting back in a groove. If they can win this football game, if they can beat the Los Angeles Rams, they can go on a run right here. After the Rams, they have the Bears. We assume they win that. They have the Lions. They better win that. Yeah. You finish the season <laughs> off at the Arizona Cardinals. 
this is a big game right here. You need some things to happen in front of you on the playoff race, but they get this done, and the Hawks are looking good. When we return, we'll bring in the professor, John Clayton. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with NASA Chobie. It is 7.44, almost 7.45. No funk today, but we're, we're still going to keep it funky with John Clayton. JC, what's up? No funk? How come no funk? Uh, you know, we, we, got, we got some moving pieces in here right now. We got NASA Chobie from behind the glass. Matt Nelson took some time out of his day to help us out. So, you know, we're, we're adjusting. That's what football does. Yeah, we where, where, where is everybody? I, I, John? Paul is is off hitting golf balls, and my other oh. my other um, <laughs> pregame hosts are are being dads, probably. <laughs> okay, understood. But John, I cannot I cannot wait to ask you this question. Yeah, what is up with your boy, Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, again, <laughs> and you know, I was on this from the very beginning. Yes, you were. Because again, <laughs> when you when you hire a pure college coach who's never been in the NFL, he just doesn't know. And because of the fact that he doesn't know, he doesn't know all these different things. And Urban Meyer turns out to be the worst college coach ever hired. Now, again, we know that back in 2007, Bobby Petrino was really bad. Atlanta hated him. He left after 13 games, 3-10, and 10, to go to uh, Arkansas. <laughs> but in the case of Urban, I mean, look at all the things that he did so bad. I mean, he hired you know, here in, you know, Black Lives Matter in the NFL, and he hires an assistant coach who was fired in college for racist comments. Okay. Then, of course, he treats his players like uh, kids, you know, teenagers, when they're adults. And I know that the, uh, <laughs> the players on Jacksonville went over and, uh, told the, uh, the Rams, particularly Jalen Ramsey, that it's like, oh, yeah. It's like he, he treats us like kids. Then he kicks the kicker. How do you kick a kicker and then cuss him out and then say, hey, I'm the head man. I can kick you anytime I want. So that, the poor communication, all those different things. I mean, again, I, I thought this was going to be bad. It turned out to be worse than I thought. I mean, we're just remarkable. John, is this the end of the road for Urban Meyer? Do you think he'll get a job at another Power Five conference? I, I think he can get a job in college if he wants to. The question is, does he want to? Now, of course, the one thing is, as lazy as he is, I mean, he's got a five-year deal at $70 million. And so he's making $12 million a year, so he may not have to work. But and, and you know he was the last couple of years. Uh, not necessarily taking college jobs. I mean, he can still get one because he's a good college coach. He's just not anything that the NFL NFL should touch. All right, John, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Texans in Texas. Have they officially turned a corner? Can we start believing again? I think so. Well, particularly, too, with this game coming up, because I have no idea how this thing is going to be played. I don't know if you saw it tonight, but nine more members of the Rams – one on the COVID list. That's 25. That's half, almost half their roster. And I, I know that there's adjustments that have been made today in a standpoint that you can get guys back a lot faster because now, even if they're positive, you're not just to you know, necessarily have to say that they have to have 
negative test or anything else. You're judging them on their viral level. And if their viral level's at a certain level, then they can come back and play. That's why, for example, you can't rule out Tyler Lockett unless he's not cleared by Saturday. <laughs> and you can't rule out Alex Collins. So there's so much uncertainty. But 25 guys on the uh, Rams list, incredible. Now, John, we know the NFL has worked really hard to make sure all these games are played. They've even talked about that people not getting paychecks if there's massive COVID outbreaks. Mm-hmm. Is there any worry throughout the league, whether it's in Cleveland with the Rams, that some games won't get played this weekend? Of course. I mean, you've got more than 20 guys right now on Cleveland. You've got 21 right now with Washington. You've got 25 with the Rams. You've got 12 with Chicago. And so you don't know how that's all going to play out. But, you know, again, it's a team decision, not a league decision. But if the team doesn't have enough players, then they can't play. John, are you watching this Thursday night football game? You got yes. KC 13, the Chargers 14. I like this kid, Justin Herbert. John, go, coming into the his career, I wasn't sure about him, but I'm becoming a believer. What about you? Well, I was a believer last year because, you know, I know I did a story for the Washington Post with uh, Tom Telesco, the general manager, and this is the guy that he wanted, not necessarily Tua. And so when Miami took Tua, he felt totally relieved that he was going to get the guy that he wanted. And so because of that, uh, you can see that Herbert's now had back-to-back 30 touchdown seasons. He can run. He's sharp. He can do all these different things. I mean, he is absolutely sensational. So certainly one of the best young quarterbacks to step into the league in the last two years. And I think he's got a major play. And right now he's sitting there with a 20-13 to lead waiting to see how they do on the extra point. John, so going back to the Rams, the Seahawks opponent this weekend, is Cooper Cup, two-part question. Number one, is Cooper yeah. Cup the best receiver in the league? And is this something that you think he can do again? Are we seeing a kind of a mirage of a great thing and everything just lines up? Or do you think Cooper Cup can have this kind of sustained success throughout the rest of his career? No, I, like, I still remember being on the sideline for the first game down with the Rams, and Cooper Cup ended up getting his first real chance to play. And you can see then he was really good. And so as much as Devontae Adams has been the best receiver over the last couple of years, now you have to give it the cup. I mean, he's on the, uh, the verge of setting team record, I mean, league records for pass catches, for yardage, all those different things. And he's just an absolutely fantastic. And I know you're talking to people down with the Rams. The, the thing is, because he actually did play quarterback at one point, he's so sharp in recognizing things. I know that Sean McVay just the other day said that uh, you know he's Peyton Manning sharp in his recognition of what's going on with the defense and what's going on overall, and he's that good. And so right now he is the best receiver because he's having one of the greatest receiving years in NFL history. John, I appreciate you saying that because when I said it, it didn't mean nothing. My co-hosts were like, the best receiver in the league? What are you talking about? Like, yes, Cooper Cup is the best receiver in the league. So John Clayton says it. You know that is real. But now I want to ask you about Matthew Stafford. He is surrounded yeah. by weapons. He had his tough run, what they lost, three games in a row. It seems mm-hmm. like he is back. Do you feel like he is good enough to take this team to a Super Bowl? I think so, yeah. I mean, because, again, he's that talented. And he's always been that talented. I mean, the problem is he was in Detroit, and he didn't have enough talent around him. Now he's got more talent around him than he's ever had. It's kind of like last year with Tom Brady. Tom Brady never had this 
many wide receivers and skilled players and stuff like that when he was with New England. And you saw what he was able to do last year. He took the team to the Super Bowl. Now, again, you know, they don't have Odell Beckham Jr. probably this week. Uh, they're down, you know, one of their backups, two of their backup tight ends. And so that's going to hurt. And you know, they're hurting a little bit on the offensive line. But, no, I think you can see, even though he had a little bit of a slump for about three or four weeks, I mean, this guy is really, really good. Well, John, so the Rams have obviously been win now, obviously, the last couple of years. You bring yeah. in OBJ, you bring in Von Miller, all the moves that they continue to make. You pay Jalen Ramsey. If the Rams don't get to the Super Bowl this year, number one, is it Super Bowl bust? Or, you know, what's Sean McVay look like after this year if they don't get it? Because they don't have a first-round pick until my kids are yeah. probably 15. So what's the state of the Rams if they don't win the Super Bowl this year? I still think they can squeeze out one more year, but it'll start to catch up to them in 2013. Because, again, that's going to be five years without a first-round pick. And, you know, they still have cap issues, things of that nature, and being able to resign some players. So that could be very, very difficult. So in the end, I think that, uh, you know, the Rams still can squeeze out one more year, but that's about it. Because normally you have like about a four- or five-year cycle uh, to stay on top. And, you know, they're still you know young in that cycle, but overall – I think you can see that when you don't have the first round picks and you, and again, like for example, next year, uh, they only have like about, uh, two or three draft choices. Now they get another one because of a compensatory pick from one of the front office executives that they lost. So they get a third round compensatory, but they, they just don't have any draft choices. And again, if you don't have any draft choices, you don't have enough young guys to be able to justify your cap. So that will definitely catch up to them. No draft picks for a long time, my guy says, until his kids are 15. His kids ain't even mm-hmm. born yet. He's on the way, or she's on the way. So it's going to be a long time before the Rams have another draft pick. But I want to ask you about Defensive Player of the Year. right? There's a lot yeah. of guys in the mix right now. You got Bosa, you got Aaron Donald, and you got a rookie, and Michael Parsons over there for the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you think wins Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, it's still wide open because you can't rule out Aaron Donald. But I, I think right now Micah Parsons – has a great chance of doing it because, again, you know, one of the things that happened is they didn't have the Marcus Lawrence. They didn't have, uh, you know, certainly Randy Gregory. So he had to add something to his game that he didn't do in college, which is rush the quarterback. And he not only rushed the quarterback, but he rushed him well. And you can see that coming into the draft, you know, he and Patrick Sertan were the best two defensive players in the draft. And Sertan's had a great year, but, again, Parsons has had a, even a better year, so I think he has a chance. But, again, it's still kind of wide open. It's that time of the show, John. First of all, we want to say thank you for joining us all season long, every single Thursday on Hawks Live at 745 with Professor John Clayton. But it's that time, John. What's on your mind? Well, what's on my mind right now is just a matter of, by the way, looks like there's a good chance that the, the Chiefs are going to take the lead. Oh, not the flag, but, the, you know, the, uh, the thing that the uh, – I, I, what I like is the fact that uh, I mean, I'm still amazed at what the league did with the COVID uh, uh, adjustment because I don't know if it's right or wrong. The players are upset about it because you know what they what they said yesterday is that they are worried that the uh, NFL would go back and start to worry more about the competition than safety. And so what they did today is they came back and they said, okay, so now we're going to let players come back even though they test positive. In a day or two, if their uh, viral level 
in a certain uh, level. And if that's going to be the case, I mean, you're going to get guys back faster, but how much damage can they come? Because, again, you know, they, they didn't do as much testing as they should. They end up having over 100 players, you know, being on the COVID list. I'm worried about that. And that's, that's what I'm uh, – because, again, you know, not that I agree with the Players Association a lot of times, but in this case, I agree with them 100% because I think right now what you're looking at, they're more concerned about the competition than they are anything else. Money talks, John. Money talks, man. We appreciate you taking time out of your night. We'll do it again on Sunday. Okay, sounds good. All right, that was John Clayton. When we return, it's time to talk that talk. Me and Asachobi will square up and talk about – some topics that are dear to us. Will the Seahawks make the playoffs? Who's better, DK or Jalen Ramsey? Is a Super Bowl or bust for the Rams? We'll talk about that and more next right here on Hawks Live.